Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast extension of ROI Show 527. Our noted guest for today is Neil Dahlstrom, Branded Properties and Heritage Manager at John Deere, who will be talking to us about his book, Tractor Wars, John Deere, Henry Ford, International Harvester, and the Birth of Modern Agriculture. The history buffs for today are Jay Swords and Rick Sweet. Rick, why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, Neil, uh, in the broadcast uh, version, you were talking about some of the relationships between uh, Deere and its competitors. In the early days, uh, how close did they cooperate with uh, uh, design and problem-solving prior to, well, I mean, from 1918 uh, on? They they cooperated more often than I expected. It's really hard to, to kind of get really concrete examples. Um, you know, I, I know Deere was working with International Harvester in terms of they would visit each other's factories. We don't know exactly what they were talking about or working on. I found a couple of references, believe it or not, to some work uh, around electrification uh, in the early 1920s between the two companies. I know Deere was sending engineers, in particular Theo Brown, to visit with Henry Ford quite a bit. Um, and, and they were developing plows for Henry Ford. Henry Ford was trying to get everyone to build everything for him that was a, a farm implement because there was no money in it. So he didn't want to do it himself. I'm sure. I, I was really struck because I assumed Deere was very secretive about their program. They started R&D in 1912, bought Waterloo in 1918. And in fact, I found the opposite, which is anyone who knew anything about carburetors or engine design came to Moline and East Moline and visited John Deere and worked with them. Really interesting. Jay. Yes. So that leads me then to another question or, or to a follow-up question, which is what happened? <laughs> Could it be <laughs> um, money? <laughs> because because we, don't have, we don't have that same sense anymore. Did that continue through, because you kind of used your cutoff as World War II, did that kind of cooperation continue over time? Or as the competition got greater, we became a little more conscious, aware, whatever you want to call it, of, uh, of proprietary, um, holding on to, to, to proprietary information? I, I think it's a combination. Um, I, I think there's more cooperation behind the scenes than we would expect. And a lot of this happens through professional organizations, um, where there, there's a difference between trade secrets and kind of patented and, and trademarks versus this is kind of the, the open source software or, you know, this is um, there, there's industry standards around something where we have to collaborate because we're trying to push costs down. And then you have these things like ROPS by John Deere, uh, which was the, the, the rollover protective system where they released that patent to the industry to prevent future rollovers. So I think it's a combination. Um, it's hard to know in this day and age how much of that actually exists. But if it is going on, I don't think we'll ever know about it. No. Well, a question, I'm sorry. question with Henry Ford, of course, he had definitely, Ford Motor Company uh, had its ups and downs financially. Uh, here he is because he holds on to the Model T too long. And that's when Alan Sloan and General Motors come along and, and become number one because they, just, they understand that the customers want um, uh, diversity and some versatility. Uh, and there's a period of time where Ford is, is losing money left and right in the car business. How is that 
is that a problem in the tractor business as well or is the tractor making money and the car company is not it's a pretty parallel story actually the um he's got the same approach with the farm tractor which is uh he uses the word perfected all the time you see it in all the literature i perfected the the car i perfected the tractor take it or leave it um well tastes change and you want more out of it so he kind of suffered the same fate edsel says later on that they lost a hundred dollars on every tractor they ever sold and henry ford didn't care the ford motor company would not allow him to build a farm tractor because there was no profit in it so that's why he had to go and form henry ford and son while he was staging a hostile takeover of the ford motor company wow that's that's great family reunions and on that yeah <laughs> jay so I'm I'm interested in sort of how the the uh, the process spreads. We have you talked about all the family farms and so forth. Does the development of the tractor also lead to sort of the uh, the development of agricultural companies, um, which now dominate the family the small family farm is is almost gone, not quite, but almost is this again uh, is there a precursor happening here that that would kind of have told us what the future was going to hold well i some of this is a matter of definition i think if you looked at the definition of a family farm today something like 85 percent of american farms are still considered family farms yeah. um, and, and and so i i haven't done a lot of research you know over the last 40 or 50 years to know so i, I think there is kind of a, a precursor and, and really that's about um, you've got to produce more with less. That's really what it's always been about. And so you've got to expand your operation because you've got leaner margins year over year. And that's really, I think, the story of agriculture. Rick, I think, remember, I think you were a host. We had an expert from the state of Iowa as a guest talking about farming. And he says the definition of a family farm, as far as Iowa concerned, has seven different definitions. It, you yes. know, we yes. always sit there and think it's one. And he goes, no, there are, as, the, as far as the states are concerned, their definition is very vast. So to come along and like what Jay was saying and how you, if you're an agricultural company, how do you pick which of the seven definitions that you're going to go with? Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's hard. I, I go back to something Henry Ford said when I give presentations on the book. I always end on this. And he says the transition in this period and what horsepower does is... It, it it makes it about the business of raising food. And and that's why this, this subtitle, The Birth of Modern Agriculture, that's the shift, is now it's the business of raising food versus we're raising food to feed ourselves. Gotcha. I got you. Rick? Well, I, uh, I was going to go back to uh, the the cooperation, uh, you know, what happened. Uh, I, I was with Caterpillar for uh, from the 80s until uh, mid the 19 of the 20 teens and and we lost several lawsuits that deer brought against us for infringing on on their design and at the same token when i first started off uh i was in uh, uh wheel loaders and the uh the axle system the drive shaft and axle system uh was actually uh something that john deere and Caterpillar cooperated on back uh, shortly, well, during World War II, but shortly into the 50s, uh, as well as uh, trading off hydraulic components. I think uh, uh, Deer and, and Cat 
combine their talents to uh, develop the uh, the pilot operated hydraulic systems. And uh, from the uh, late 80s on, it got pretty contentious. It was, you know, a no John Deere employee shot at me, and I never shot at a John Deere, Deere employee, but there was uh, uh, closed doors. There wasn't a lot of collaboration. Uh, is there anything, Neil, in your mind that that precipitated that that sudden uh, uh, less than cooperative interaction between deer and caterpillar? I, I think some of it may have just been the the era. We're getting into the the the, the 70s and early 80s. We're getting into the farm crisis, and and it, it's about survival. So probably a, a lot of a lot of what companies were doing were being held close to the vest. That would be my best guess. Um, one one of the, my my favorite deer stories. We opened our headquarters building in 1964, and the parking spaces were lettered alphabetically A through whatever it went through, but um, it went H J, because our CEO said no John Deere customer will ever see I H together at a John Deere facility. Wow, <laughs> so it came down to that that yeah. level of of detail. What who cares about the alphabet? Yeah. Right. Um, a question here, and I need to definitely, an element that was also a huge game changer, which we haven't talked about, was the combine, uh, or corn picker slash combine, because although you had the, the tractors with the power to produce or grow so much more, if you didn't have a system to harvest it at the same level, uh, the act was in vain. So... Um, the combines start coming, if I recall, in the mid-60s, early 70s. Uh, I don't think Ford ever had a combine, did it? Uh, but I'm saying is, how did that uh, impact the modern tractor in agriculture? Yeah, the combine actually go, goes back even further than that. Uh, the first John Deere combine was 1927. The oh, first, okay. first self-propelled was 1947. Really? So 76 years ago. Um, it was a, a model 55, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, you could harvest 30 bushels a day, which was a lot, um, which, which, which was a lot. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it was a lot earlier. Deer collaborated with Caterpillar on hillside combines for a long time. Um, in, in, in the 1940s kind of, what was that like, Rick, when you were there? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> Jay, you got a question. I do. I'm interested in how all of the technology changed the kinds of things that, that we were growing. Do we see more of a switch to a, a, mono, a monoculture uh, in terms of agricultural? Or do we see more of the, the bigger cash crops and less of the smaller because you could work in such larger volumes? Is, is that part of that change that you were talking about? growing food for people rather than growing food for myself the the short answer is is yes yeah i i think that really did did drive that kind of kind of perspective okay we would like to thank our guests for the 527th show neil dahlstrom branded properties and heritage manager at john deere who talked about us uh, talked with us about his book tractor wars john deere henry ford international harvester and the birth of modern agriculture. The history buffs for today's show were Jay Swords and Rick Sweet. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA Radio or on the web at TuneIn.com. 
If you're looking for older programs, you will find them at soundcloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.